On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about a subject, well, it's quite controversial, but we think it's pretty simple. It's a common, it's a very common thing, but there's so much controversy about it. We want to talk about baptism tonight. We've talked about it lots of times on the virtual Bible study. Uh, if you were to go back in our archives, you'd find a number of programs on baptism, but it's obviously a big contentious issue in the religious world and worthy of our continuing study. Some people say we're all wet, but yeah. you, you want to stay tuned and find out. Don't go anywhere. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 2nd, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My brother Greg Gwynn joins us tonight. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome back. It's always good to be here. Thank and you and welcome to you on the other end of the line tonight. Thank you for being here. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or the, maybe the fastest way for you to get in touch is in the chat room tonight. Sign in and chat with other listeners there. Um, Jacob, uh, just a little bit of an update on our community Bible study archives Yes. Uh, we have got those edited now. That was a lot of work for you. We didn't do a very good job of getting those in the we, format we that made them, it easy for you. We had them in kind of a rough format to get to, but we finally got them and got them edited down. And, and uh, they are on our collegeview.com website. And if you go to the tab that says College View Church of Christ and go down under Special Bible Studies, there's a number of our past special studies there, and it's found on that tab uh, okay. on the collegeview.com website. All right. Check it out. And uh, if you've got any questions we have or had comments some people about ask that. It. We have had some people ask about it, and, yeah. and that's where you can find it. Easy have, to find. If you've got questions about something you heard there, or maybe you want some of the materials that were referenced, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And also use that email address to get a bumper sticker. If you don't have one of those on your bumper, and your bumper would look a lot better with one of our bumper stickers and on send us And send us any questions you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study, or you'd like that's to join us important. in discussing on the Virtual okay, Bible Study. Okay, so that's, uh, that we, we don't talk about that enough. But if you've got a question, and it could be a question that you already know the answer to, that you'd like to, you'd like to hear it discussed because you think it's... Uh, would be beneficial, send it in. Or maybe it's something you really are, do have questions about, send it. It doesn't have to be like a real in-depth question that would take an hour to answer. It could be a, just a t- little one- or two-minute answer. I, I got a couple questions like that today in email. We'll, uh, coming up soon, we'll try to get one of our smorgasbord kind of programs together and cover several of those short questions. And then if you would like to come on, if you hear something that you disagree with, if you would like to come on, or if you know have a friend or know of someone that would come about on your to preacher? present your view. How about your preacher? If you think that we, for instance, tonight we're going to talk about baptism. Yeah. Maybe you don't agree with us about baptism, but you would maybe personally wouldn't feel comfortable coming on to discuss our differences. And by the way, we'll be very kind. We're not going to get mad. We're not going to yell. We're not going to call you names. Uh, we, we think it's important to discuss differences uh, on something as elementary as baptism it certainly is important but if you if you don't feel like 
you know, you'd feel comfortable doing that. You should, how about asking your preacher? Can we we got an open door policy here. And we're not rude. We've, <laughs> we've only had one person hang up on us, and it wasn't because we were being rude. It's it was because he was being rude. <laughs> yeah, he was being rude. And he didn't like he didn't like talking about the Bible. Really, he wanted to talk more about uh, his his personal think sos. We, but we're not rude, and in fact, we've talked with people who we had vast disagreements with, and at the end of it, they appreciated it, and we, we were friends at the yeah, end. And yeah. so uh, if you would be willing to do that or you know someone who would, we'd welcome that. We would appreciate being able to discuss it because we think it's easier for the truth to be seen when both sides of the we, argument are presented. Everybody wins when we discuss the religious wins. things. Yeah. Not, no, there's no winner as far as people go, but well, the truth wins. I mean, really, we win in Everyone the sense wins. That, that the truth has been discussed and we've been exposed to it. Yeah. So, uh, please, uh, if you disagree, we'd love to hear from you. All All right. right. So let's get to our topic for discussion tonight. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out some questions. We want you to be on that list. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list. But if you were on our list today, you've got these questions. Number one, what can we learn about the mode of baptism from a very simple study of Greek words? Number two, what things were involved concerning the physical... What things were involved... Concerning the physical act of baptism, when we read about people being baptized in the New Testament. Number three, what's the purpose of New Testament baptism? Number four, what things must precede scriptural baptism? Number five, is infant baptism taught in the New Testament? All right. <clears throat> it's been suggested, well, first of all, baptism is obviously a much discussed topic, not just in our time. But in Bible times, did you know that the word baptism or various forms of the word baptism are found 103 times in the New Testament? 103. There are 75 verses uh, that contain, uh, 75 verses, and uh, in those 75 verses, 103 times baptism or a form of the word baptize is found. And interestingly, 22 times by Jesus himself. So it's mentioned a lot, but unfortunately, there's just a wide variety of opinions about what baptism is or ought to be. So what would be an interesting approach is if people just said, OK, I'm going to I'm not going to I'm not going to assume anything about baptism. I'm not going to I'm not going to base it upon anything I've I've heard from other people. I'm not I'm not going to base it upon what my parents told me. I'm not going to base it upon what my a uh, preacher told me, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have, I have no denominational allegiance here, no friends, spouse, parents to please. I'm just going to look at the Bible. I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm going to read all of those references. There's 103. That wouldn't take that long. Just there's 103 references to baptism in 75 verses. So get your concordance out, look them up, just read all of those references to baptism. And what conclusion would you get by it? You don't even have to get your concordance out. You can do it on your phone these days. Right. How long has it been since you used a real concordance? Well, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. It's pretty dusty, isn't yeah. it? I use, I use my computer more than my phone, but I do use my phone to yeah. look up stuff. So, but, so, and so you can do it. Real, don't do it now. Do it in about an hour from now. But it won't take long. And, uh, yeah, so you're saying get rid of any preconceived notions. Don't let other people influence you. Just let the scriptures influence you. Exactly. Okay. And, and and what conclusion would you come to? So, the, the first conclusion is, what about the mode of baptism? What would we learn from the scriptures concerning the mode of baptism? Well, first of all, we ask the question, what about just the word itself? What, what would we learn from the word itself? The word baptize or baptism 
all forms of that word in our English language. That's actually a what we call a transliterated word. Yes. The English translators of the King James Version, who were the first to come up with this, they didn't translate the word. They just brought it over, basically, into the English language. They made a new English word, baptize, from the Greek word, baptizo. The Greek word is, is, is almost identical to the English word, and that's because that's what they did. The translators just brought the word over, and they didn't really translate it. They just made a new English word that sounds almost exactly like the original Greek word. Well, that's what Anthony in Columbia said. Many folks may not realize that the word baptize is, in English is actually a transliteration of the Greek word. That should tell us that our English word should be understood to mean the same as the Greek word, and that is full immersion. Pretty simple. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Anthony is exactly on point there. Uh, baptizo means to dip, plunge, or submerge, and it's 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 there's actually zero controversy about that. There is no controversy. Every person who knows anything about the word or its Greek origin, everybody agrees that the Greek word baptizo means to dip, plunge, or submerge, to immerse, to cover up. Uh, there's just no controversy about that. Now, do you know anything about the validity of the story that says that they transliterated it? Because if they had translated it, there would have been maybe too much political back uh, fire there. Yeah, I, I, that's what's always said, and I assume there's basis for that. <clears throat> so the practice, uh, so King James of England is the one who authorized the English translation that carries his name. It is sometimes referred to as the authorized version. Not by the Apostle Paul. It was authorized by King James. Okay, right. King James is the one who authorized them to translate that. But in King James's time, 1611, mm-hmm. the Church of England, like the Catholic Church and lots of other denominations, practiced sprinkling for baptism. So if they were to translate all those references to baptism and call it immerse instead of to baptize you would say to immerse and now why tarryest thou arise and be and be, immersed. And be immersed acts 22 Ooh, wait a minute because that would fly right yeah. in the face of 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 the standard practice the standard religious practice of the time and, and the standard religious practice of king james himself and so to just avoid the controversy they just called it baptize or so the story goes that's and i assume that there's i mean that is such a commonly told story there must be basis in fact i i've never really researched the history why would they make up an english name when it's so simple here's what's interesting there are greek words for sprinkle the greek word for sprinkle is rentizo Mm -hmm. that's actually that word's found in the new testament sometimes for instance the book hebrews it talks about moses sprinkled Mm -hmm. Uh, the the blood of the the covenant on the people and Mm -hmm. all the articles of the tabernacle. There is a Greek word for sprinkle. It's rantizo. But when it's talking about baptism, it doesn't use that word. There's a Greek word for poor. The Greek word cheo is the word for poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's not the word that's used either. So it's interesting. if If the inspired writers of the New Testament wanted to suggest sprinkling or pouring, there were words they could use. They didn't use those words. They used a word which, by all accounts, everyone agrees. No controversy. The word they use, in its original sense, meant to dip, plunge, submerge, immerse. There's just no controversy about that. So, 
Now, think back about this a minute, Jacob. If I'm going to go back, I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm not. I'm going to do it with all preconceived notions. I'm not. I'm not going to base it on anything I've been told by others before. I'm just going to read my Bible. I'm going to study it. I'm going to do a little bit, a very, a very little bit of basic study of the words, and I'm going to find out that the mode of baptism based upon the word that was used in the New Testament is immerse. Right. Uh, again, I don't think that we're not Greek scholars. Uh, and I don't think you have to be a Greek scholar to understand the New Testament and what God says we ought to do to be saved. But here's just a, a very simple exercise in the Greek that anybody can do. I mean, you talked about using your phone or your computer. Just put, plug in the word. Plug in Greek word baptizo. Get your meanings. The meanings will all be the same. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia tonight signs in and says, Baptisma, the noun form, dipping, plunging, or immersion. Baptizo, the verb form, to plunge, to dip, plunge, or immerse. New Testament baptism is administered in water. Therefore, New Testament baptism constitutes immersion in water. Yeah, exactly right. Thank you, Kent. So, again, if we were just going to go based upon what the word itself means. And, we're, and again, we're, we're not going to color our understanding by any prejudice of denominational, current denominational practice. There's just really no way that you would ever come to the conclusion that sprinkling or pouring constitutes New Testament baptism because the word, just base, the very basic and simply the word that's used means just to be honest with the text and what it means yeah. is you'd have to come to that conclusion. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, well, well, we'll 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 talk about this. Let's hold this. I was going to use some references to the berry, the idea of baptism being a burial. We'll look at that in a minute. But uh, again, let's just let's just figure out what it is based upon how the words used. Let's take a break. And when we get back, we want to talk about some things that are involved. When you see people being baptized in the New Testament. Okay. We'll All talk right. about some of the the things that were necessary for, to constitute the physical act of baptizing. Getting pretty basic on the program tonight. Yeah. Not yeah. getting too deep, uh, but uh, you'll want to stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible deficit disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible deficit disorder. Here's some quotes worth pondering. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Don't use time or words carelessly. Neither can be retrieved. Well done is better than well said. Always do more than is expected of you. Do the best you can. The people who count will know that about you. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. So we talk about baptism and look at its meaning. What does the word mean and what were people doing when they were baptized in the New Testament? What things were involved? Okay, so we, we argue just from 
the basic meaning of the word uh, as used in in the Greek New Testament. That's the, uh, of course, and I think everybody understands, that's the uh, language, the original language that the New Testament was written in. But, let, okay, let's look at it a different way. We don't have any access to any Greek studies. So it we, just says we, baptized. It just says baptized. We can't, we don't, we don't have any resource to check that out in, in the original language, but I don't think we need it. Mm. Because let's look at some of the things that Bible baptism, some of the things that were necessary to con, conduct the physical act of baptizing in the New Testament. First of all, you've got to have water. When Philip taught the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Acts chapter 8, verse 36. So he knew what he was looking for. He was looking for some water. So he had been taught. Philip had taught him. And it became clear to him that he needed to be baptized. And there was water available, which he understood was the necessary element of baptism. So water was required. Now, some said. Some have said, I've even heard this argued. They're riding along the chariot. Philip and the eunuch, they're riding along the chariot. And the eunuch holds up his canteen. He found it under the sea. Oh, yeah. look, I he found said, it. I've been wondering where that was. Here is water. Yeah. Here's my canteen. Here is water. It fell down in that little crack between the edge of the, of the chariot and the seat belt area down yeah. in there. Yeah. You yeah. couldn't find it. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he found it. He, he held found it up. It. Yeah. He holds up his canteen. He says, see, here's water. Yeah. What does bab- hinder me to be baptized? Well, the only problem with that is that in verse 38 of Acts, Eight, it says that Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, yeah. and he baptized him, and they both came up out of the water. Big canteen. <laughs> it must have been a, a very big canteen. I always say, Kyle? And the bucket of water. I guess they both yeah. put their feet in, I guess. <laughs> so uh, it, it required water. It required going down in the water. In fact, in John chapter 3 and verse 23, it says that now, this is talking about the baptism of John the Baptist, which is a different baptism than the baptism that we do now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the, the baptism of John, it says in Acts 3, verse 23, that he was baptizing in Enon near to Salem because there was much water there. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if John was just sprinkling people for baptism, he could have done that out of a mud puddle in Jerusalem. All right. You know, you wouldn't need a lot of water. But he was out in the wilderness. He was at the Jordan River. And, and at a spot, I understand that at certain times of the year, the Jordan can become pretty shallow and, and, and you know, the, the flow dries up in a lot of places or, or become very minimal. But he was, there must have been a pool or a, a, a deep hole. Uh, like we go, like, you know, when we're looking, for, when we go fishing, we're looking for a good hole where they oh, hold yeah. some fish. Well, John was looking for a good hole where there was enough water to be baptizing. He was baptizing in Enon near to Salem because there was much water there. Yeah, and Dwight uh, in the chat room tonight says Acts 8 teaches they went down into the water. Thank you, Dwight. Uh, Certainly uh, they do there, and uh, that helps us to understand what's going on. So, again, uh, what if I was coming to this and I had never... I never. I don't. I don't know anything about baptism. About baptism. I'm, I'm not listening to what anybody else says. I'm just going to read my Bible. Mm-hmm. If I read those two references, I read that John baptized at Enon near to Salem on the Jordan River because there was much water there, and that, that the eunuch was baptized by Philip, and it took them both to go down into the water and to come up out of the water after the baptism was accomplished. Stop there a minute. What would I think about the mode of baptism? 
Would I think sprinkling or pouring? No, I don't think uh, you I would. think you would definitely. I mean, uh, uh, any thinking person would, would have to conclude that that was a immersion in water. I once saw a picture drawn of, of supposedly the eunuch being baptized by Philip, and it showed them standing waist deep in, in a pool of water, but Philip had his hand cupped and he was pouring water over the eunuch's head, which I thought was the most ludicrous picture you could ever imagine. If that's all the water you need is just a handful, why would you wade in waist deep? Why would you have the other guy wade in waist deep to get that much water? You just, you just kneel down by the bank and get a little water and pour it on his head. Nobody has to get wet at all. Uh, I mean, again, just read the text. Just read it simply, and you're going to understand. Well, Philip knew the Greek. He knew what the word meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Also, let's go to this. We know that in the book of Romans, here's another place. I'm just going to read. I'm just reading the text. I'm just figuring out from the Bible. What does it say? In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so... Paul calls baptism there a burial. Well, when you bury someone, you don't just sprinkle some dirt on them. You cover them up with with dirt when you bury someone. And baptism is in the likeness of a burial. Right. And that would indicate it would be immersion okay. as well. All right. You're building a case here. Uh, uh, in Colossians 2, verse 12, buried with him in baptism. Where also, where and also, ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. Again, reference to a burial. Okay. Uh, Romans six verse five, where we're reading earlier, uses the word planted too. For if we have been planted together in the likenesses of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. To plant something, again, if you plant a plant, you want to get the roots completely covered up. You yep. don't want to just sprinkle a little dirt around them. Okay. It's called, uh, there's a likeness to the resurrection, as Mm -hmm. we've been reading in those verses. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's that word sprinkling. And that's a reference to the idea of the blood of the Old Testament, the sprinkling of animal blood on on the people and on the on the articles of the tabernacle. So we have our hearts sprinkled. That's that purification. But our bodies are washed in pure water. Uh, again, I just don't I just don't see. So, again, what conclusion, taking all the information available, and that's a really quick look at how the word's used and how it was practiced in the New Testament. What conclusion would you reach using only the Bible to guide you? I don't think you wouldn't come to any conclusion that would lead you to sprinkling or pouring. It just wouldn't happen. All right. Uh, Certainly, uh, if you don't have any preconceived notions, the case is adding up here that this is an immersion. 877-381-4567. If you have questions, we'd like to hear from you in the chat room tonight. Send your comments. You know, we would love uh, we would love to be able to talk with someone who takes the position that sprinkling or pouring constitutes New Testament baptism. If you have that con- conviction, or if you could get your preacher to talk with us about it, we'd be glad to. We, we, 
I'd like to hear someone defend that point of view. Is it possible that we're missing something? Because it just seems way too obvious looking at the scripture. But if, if you think we're missing something... By all means, let us know. We'd love to we'd love to give you some time to to present your case, uh, because we believe the Bible case is very clear that it is an immersion. All right. So we really covered our first two questions. We know what we know something about the meaning of baptism from the very word itself, and we see what was involved in the physical act of baptism when we read about people who were baptized in New Testament times. Actually, you know, historically, you can you can trace that it was several centuries after the church began in in the first the church began the first century day of Pentecost about thirty A.D. It was centuries later when the first recorded instance of sprinkling for baptism came along. Hundreds of years later, it, it they actually initially called it clinical baptism. And the idea was that, you know, you have somebody on their deathbed. They're too sick, too too weak and infirm to be taken someplace to be immersed in water. And so someone took it upon themselves to imagine they had the authority to, to sprinkle water rather than, than immerse them. And they justified it and called it clinical baptism. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's certainly not in the Bible. All right. Uh, let's, so we see the scriptures are clear. The word is clear. Baptism is an immersion. All right. All right. Now, so let's go. Now we're getting a little bit more controversial with each step I, of the way. Know, I, I, my guess is that a lot of people who are listening to us tonight would agree with that, with what we've said so far. Now, there may be some because we've had, we've had uh, some regular listeners uh, from the Catholic Church uh, and other denominations that practice sprinkling uh, so uh, there may be some who disagree probably a lot of people who listen to this would agree with us but maybe the 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 lines will be drawn when we start talking about what is it for what's the purpose of baptism lots been said on that subject but again here's what we want to do just erase all that out of your mind you, okay so you didn't know anything about what the mode or ma- manner or method of baptism was, and the Bible, you know, just taking the Bible, I'm convinced it's it's immersion. Okay, now I just want to go back to the Bible again, and I want to try to understand from the various references to baptism in the New Testament. Again, we said there's 103 references, 22 times by Jesus himself. When it's talking about this baptism in water, why did they do it? What was the purpose of it? Now, I'm not going to base this on anything that my preacher has told me, my mom and dad told me, uh, my friends, my wife. I, I'm, I'm putting that all out of mind. I'm just going to look at the Bible. What would be the purpose of baptism? Uh, well, let's look, at a, let's look at some verses. Mark 16, verse 16. This is Mark's account of the Great Commission where Jesus sent his disciples out. Uh, This was after he'd been crucified. He has resurrected. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he says to his disciples, Acts 16, excuse me, Mark 16, Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Well, I would take it from that verse, which seems so very straightforward, 
that if I believe and submit to baptism, I will be saved. Baptism has a part in my salvation. A lot of people have a problem with that, though, and say, well, look at the latter part of that. You're not reading that right, because it says, he who does not believe will be condemned. So if you don't believe, you'll be condemned. So all you have to do is believe, and you'll be saved. Well, which is really a twisted way to look at that statement, uh, if you think about it. But it's not what it says. The verse uh, says, he who believes and is baptized will so, be saved. So to be saved, what do you do? You believe and are baptized. If to be condemned or lost, what do you do? To be lost, if that's what you're interested in, I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like I'm going to be searching the Bible to find out what to do to be lost. But if I was searching for what to do to be lost, that verse would say, to be lost, don't believe. But to be saved, believe and be baptized. Yeah, I mean, why would you want to twist that and say, well, you just don't believe it or just believe and you'll be saved? No, it says explicitly what you need to do to be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That three-letter word, and. If believe is required for salvation, so is baptism. The, the, the word and there equates the two, yeah. or ties the two together. They're both required. You know, I've, I've used, tried to use some silly illustrations of the principle before. Uh, so I pick up the newspaper tomorrow morning, and there's a, an ad, uh, and it says that they're giving away free new cars at the car dealership here in town. He who comes to the dealership wearing a University of Tennessee T-shirt and sings Rocky Top will receive a new car. But he who does not come will not receive a new car. So, uh, well, if uh, if I if I was reading that, I wouldn't have any trouble understanding. I got to get out my University of Tennessee T-shirt. And I got to practice up on singing Rocky Top because it takes both things to get the new car. I mean, who would argue that? And nobody. I mean, people would be people would be camping out there tonight, so they'd be there tomorrow to do those two things because they know they'd have to do two things. They'd be camping out there to get their new car tomorrow. It, it was, it's easy language. It's grammatically not difficult to understand. Believe and be baptized. Now, to be again, saved. we're talking about don't uh, have bring any preconceived notions to this discussion. Maybe your preacher says, "Well, we don't look at that verse. Well, that verse can't mean that you have to believe and be baptized to be saved, because we know that we're saved by grace and we're saved by faith. And so, baptism cannot be required to be uh, for salvation. Don't bring those preconceived notions. Don't throw out the verse. It says, "He who believes and you is gotta, baptized you, will it, be saved." You've you, got to deal with that verse. All right. All right. Let's grab a break, Jacob. When we come back, keep talking about what's baptism for. What's its purpose? All right. I'm just trying to figure it out from the Bible. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to imagine myself as a person who has no past understanding of this subject at all. What conclusions would I come to? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Or in the chat room. Getting this week's bullet point and coming back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. No one can dispute that we live in the most prosperous time in history. In fact, ours is the most prosperous nation in the world, and we're the most materially blessed people of all time. No other group of people, living or dead, has ever enjoyed the advantages we possess. Lesson one, be thankful. The problem, of course, is that these blessings of money, material possessions, leisure time, and personal liberties will become our spiritual downfall. Consider some of the challenges that are presented by our prosperity. First, it's easy to become consumed by the ambition to obtain more and more. 
Solomon, perhaps the richest man in the history of the world, wrote, quote, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. With abundance comes an increased appetite for even more. Second, this desire for more worldly goods presents a whole new array of temptations. Paul warned that, quote, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, unquote. First Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10. Our news is filled with reports of corruption at the highest levels of government and business. The underlying cause is the love of money. And note that you don't have to be rich to suffer these temptations. You only have to want to get rich. Many have suffered the ruin and destruction, both physical and spiritual, of such desires. And finally, as the pursuit of riches and possessions continues, men invariably allow God to be crowded out of their lives. Many a Christian has neglected his spiritual duties while salving his conscience with the excuse, quote, I must earn a living. God, on the other hand, has promised that if we put his kingdom first, quote, all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, verse 33. May we all have the faith to trust him in this way. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website is thevirtualbiblestudy.com if you've never been there, or collegeu.com. And we would encourage you that the best way to find out about us is to come and visit with us if you're anywhere near Columbia, Tennessee. Come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting times and locations at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. As we're talking about baptism on the program tonight, what it does, and uh, we've seen a very clear passage in Mark 16, 16. All right. Or Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, 16. Let's look, let's look at some more verses just because we're really trying to flesh this out. What All does right. it mean? Okay. What does it do? What's its purpose? In John chapter 3, I think many will remember, that's when Nicodemus came by night to speak to Jesus and ask him questions. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born uh, when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so there was a question about uh, what one must do. And Jesus suggested, if you want to see the kingdom, you have to be born again. Nicodemus said, Was that something about being born a second time by my mother, a physical birth by my mother? Jesus effectively says no. But it involves being born of water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. So water and spirit, I think we could tie in some verses like Titus 3, verse 15, uh, or excuse me, Titus 3, verse 5. Also, 1 Peter 1, verse 23, which speaks, uh, that, that's an interesting tie-in to what Jesus was saying there, because in 1 Peter 1, Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So uh, the water of baptism, as is taught by the word of God, uh, putting that together, we conclude that baptism is how we enter into the kingdom of God. Um you referenced Titus 3, verse 5 there, where it, you can put those concepts together again. 
not but what works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So there's how they work together, water and the Spirit. The Spirit teaches us to be baptized in water. Exactly right. Well, because we've talked about baptism is in water. Now, so we enter the kingdom by baptism. Now, we're talking about divorcing ourselves of any preconceived notions here. Now, if you were just reading there in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, that one needs to be born of water and the Spirit without any preconceived notions, would you ever assume that it's talking here about the water of a physical birth, the amniotic fluid? You know, that, because that's what a lot of people try to get into that text. Now, they, they want to say that the water there is the water of natural childbirth. Would you ever just reading again, no preconceived notions, oh, that's oh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Jesus is talking about amniotic fluid. No, and, and in fact, I think Jesus basically destroys any chance that that could be it when he because nicodemus basically asked is it something about entering my mother's womb and being born a second time so nicodemus actually said is it has something to do with natural childbirth and jesus basically says no that's not what we're talking about at all yeah has anybody ever been said i was born of amniotic fluid you might i was born of my mother but not of amniotic fluid who would ever say that yeah get you gets you slapped by your mom if you said that all right Let's look at some more verses. We're just trying to see the verses. The one that's got to come into the discussion is Acts 2.38. Now, a lot of people think that members of the Church of Christ have Acts 2.38 as their favorite verse of the whole Bible. Uh, I, that's really not true of me. I don't know if it's true of anybody else, but it is a very plain verse that teaches a, a definite truth. Peter had been preaching to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Remember, these are the very some of the very people who had been responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. And when they were convicted of that, they said, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, again, I'm just thinking of this context. Here's some people who have been convinced that they are guilty. They did something really bad. They killed the Son of God. Yeah. What shall we do? What are we going to do about this problem? Sin. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So the answer to their question was repent and be baptized. So the repenting and be baptized was to accomplish what they needed. They asked, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So that the, the remission of their sins would require repentance and baptism. Now, if I'm just reading that, that's what I'm going to come away with. There's there's no way I'm going to come to a different conclusion about that. Right. Now, some people are going to say, repent and be baptized because, for, because you have the remission of sins. That, because, in other words, your sins are already forgiven. That's what, what some people want to come, they, some people want to look at that verse and say, well, it has to mean the for there, for the remission of sins. They say, that has to mean because of. Uh, you know, and sometimes we do use the word for that way. I mean, uh, take your umbrella for it is going to rain today. That, that, that's, we would use, we don't talk that way very much, but we could. I mean, we would understand that that means because. Take your umbrella because it's going to rain today. But that's not how it's used here. No. Uh, this is, this is the word, uh, for be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. We could go into the Greek, but the word there, 
Ice means unto or for the purpose of, in, in order to. And so baptism was in order to accomplish the remission of their sins. And then looking in the context, why would have Philip or Peter, sorry, been giving this really scathing sermon to these people? Why would he be convicting them of sin when they didn't have any sin? Because in verse 38, he basically, if he's, if this is true, they don't have any sins to worry well, about. Well, I guess they would argue that they, their sins were taken care of when they acknowledged their, that they believed that Jesus was the Son of God. That's what, I think that's the explanation. We'd, okay. oh, we'd, be, we'd be glad for people to come on the virtual Bible study, like we've been saying, and try to explain that to us. But it seems clear that they wanted to know how to get out of their predicament. And Peter said, this is what you got to do to get out of your predicament. If you're just reading this without any preconceived notions, that'd be what you take away from it. Yeah. Uh, so, again... That's, that is a conclusion we would reach. Now, we know that it's, that being baptized actually fulfills a command. It's not an optional thing. Some of our denominational friends actually would take the position that baptism is good to do, but not necessary to do. But actually, baptism was commanded of people in Acts chapter 10, verse 48. Peter commanded them, that is the household of Cornelius, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so, baptism is a command. It's not an optional thing. Uh, that would factor into this because, uh, again, I don't want a preconceived notion. Do I have to do it or not? Is it necessary? Must I be baptized? Well, if, it's, if the word command is connected with it, then I would say, yeah, i got to do it's that. It's not just a good idea like some would espouse. Exactly right. You ought to if you can. No, it's a command. All right. Keep reading. Let's look at another place. Acts twenty two sixteen. Now, again, we're just reading some verses, but context always helps. The context of this is Paul. Paul is defending himself, and he's basically telling his life story. He's telling things that had happened to him. And so in Acts 16, he's telling about his own conversion. We know that the, the actual event is recorded in Acts 9, and here in Acts 22, he's retelling it. He saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. He was told to go into the city. He'll be told thee what thou must do. He went into the city. A man named Ananias came to him. And Ananias said in Acts 22:16, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, wow. Baptism washes away sins. Uh, that, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's hard to get around that. Uh, so if I want my sins washed away, what do I do? Be baptized. Baptism washes away sin. And then uh, we could, uh, we're going to get short on time here. We could go on and on about this. But let, let me make one more argument that... That just comes from reading the verses. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I get my pages to turn there. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So all spiritual blessings are in Christ, right? So I want spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings would include such things as forgiveness of sins, redemption, atonement, all of that. But I want those spiritual blessings in Christ. How do I get there? How do, how do I get into Christ? 
Galatians 3, verse 27. As many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So I need to be in Christ where spiritual blessings are. To get in Christ, I am baptized into Christ. Well, that would that would indicate the importance of it too, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, of, of course, one more verse that we repeat pretty often is 1 Peter 3, verse 21, where Peter says, The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Baptism saves us. Okay, I've never heard about this before, but I'm just reading that verse. Baptism saves us. What conclusion would I reach? So there's more verses, Jacob, but if we if we were to put all that together, what conclusion would we reach just from reading the verses uh, that we've read? Is it is baptism necessary for salvation or not? I think that's the no that's, preconceived that, notions. Yeah. If I'm just reading the scriptures, boy, I've got to say there's too much evidence here that this is a command of God. I know that if God's if God's going to save me, I've got to be obedient. So that's a, it's a command. And it says baptism saves. saves, and I need to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I can't just ignore all those passages just because maybe some preacher told, preacher me told me that told those me didn't mean My anything. My preacher told me different from that. I wonder why he told me different from that, because those verses seem very straightforward. Yeah. Why would he be telling me different? All right. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, New Testament baptism is for or unto in order to the remission of past alien sins, Acts 2.38. In the New Testament, this design is stated in various expressions, salvation, Mark 16.16, 16, 1 Peter 3.21, to be born again, John 3.5, remission of sins, Acts 2.38, to have sins washed away, Acts 22.16, to enter the benefits of the death of Christ, Romans 6, 3 through 7 to enter the, into the fellowship of Christ, Galatians 3.27, and to enter the into the fellowship of the body of Christ, which is his church, 1 Corinthians 12.13. All of these expressions being considered equal, even though they vary in the way they are expressed, state the same design. Exactly Thanks, right. Kent. Yeah. And um, uh, Anthony. Yeah, go ahead. Anthony says, um, washing away of sins and becoming in Christ, in short, is it's the point of salvation. I think that's really a good way uh, to put it. I think Anthony's right about that. So is baptism the be-all and end-all? Is it, is, is it the, the essentially most important thing of all? No. It's, it's equally important, and can't use that uh, statement, all, thing, all expressions being considered equal. We, is baptism more important than faith? Absolutely not. Is it more important than repentance? Absolutely not. Is it more important than confessing our faith in Jesus? Absolutely not. But when we have done those things, baptism is the point at which we contact the blood of Christ and our sins are forgiven. So you say that, but why are you guys talking about baptism all the time? Why are you so hung up on baptism? Well, if folks were denying that we had to believe, have faith, we'd be talking about that a lot, too. Yeah, so... so in fact, several years ago, we we had an interview with a Unitarian Universalist a woman preacher from Nashville uh, who took the view that you don't even have to believe in Jesus to be saved. Yeah. So you know what I'd be talking to her about? I wouldn't be talking about baptism, at least not initially. I'd be talking about essential faith in Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. And you know, if if you don't get that, then there's no use for us talking about anything else. And so the reason we talk about baptism is because we have people in the religious world. They believe. They're willing to repent. They confess their faith in Jesus. But they 
want to hang up at the point of baptism. So that's why we talk about it a lot. But it's not any more important than people were saying. You don't have to repent. You just keep on sinning, and God will save you. We would be talking. We go to the Greek and say, "Here's what the word repent means." Yeah. Here's where it says, "Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish." In Luke 13, we'd be spending a whole lot of time on repentance, but. It seems that the real hang-up, as you mentioned, is on the subject of baptism, and so that's why we're talking about it on the yeah. program tonight. And we need to get a break and go to the top of the hour. As hey, we by the, the way, Kyle said during our last break Kyle. that Kyle, Kyle really, it really chafed Kyle when we talked about wearing Tennessee orange and singing Rocky Top because Kyle's a, a Kentucky fan. But Kyle even said, strong Kentucky fan as he is, he he said, I know that if they put that ad in the paper and it says, wear orange and sing Rocky Top. You're not you, arguing with it? You, you can't no. argue. If you want the car, you've got right. to do that, even if it doesn't. Even, I couldn't even it, compromise and wear blue and sing Rocky Top. You can't, you can't do one. you got to do yeah, both. Right. And and the thing of it is, no words, Kyle, that really makes a point because Kyle's saying, it's not what I necessarily would do of my own volition. Oh, but I understand what the what the requirement would be to get that new car, and I know I would have to do that if I want the new car. Yeah. And so baptism might not be something that I would do of my own volition, but if I understand the scriptures, it's what I would do. And, you know, there are passages that folks want to pose in that would seem to contradict the idea that we have to be baptized in order to be saved. You know what you got to do? you got to harmonize those passages with these clear passages. And we can do that. We don't have to just ignore them or take them out of context or, or to try and twist them and say, you know that doesn't mean any that that's that's the water of the uh, amniotic fluid there and that's that and that no we can harmonize them we've got to harmonize all the scriptures and that's what we try to do as we look at the scriptures without a preconceived notion say, okay it says this it says this how can those two things work together oh well they work together like this we don't we don't throw away one or step on one so we, we can harmonize. hold the other we harmonize yeah. all right we're going to break go to the top of the hour don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this don't go anywhere you might miss something the virtual bible study continues right after this misconception number 17 the folks at the college of church of christ believe that water saves some people say this but it's simply not true we believe the blood of jesus saves us granted we do believe water baptism is necessary for salvation and we would like to explain why to you but without jesus blood no one will be saved you may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Only 28% of younger Americans between ages 23 and 37 attend church. Other generations range between 43 and 52% attendance. This is a significant drop in generational attendance and a large reason why many churches are seeing a decline in attendance. That information is via reachrightstudios.com. The Word of God says in Hebrews 10, verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we are back on the program tonight, and uh, we are talking about baptism and uh, now some things that need to precede baptism. All right. So we ask the question, what things must precede scriptural baptism? Well, uh, and I, the question may not have been clear. Anthony sent in an email that that uh, maybe makes me think that the question wasn't clear enough because I know Anthony and I agree about this. What we're saying is, that, so could we baptize someone who doesn't believe yet? In other words, I've, I've used this illustration before. If it's just a matter of immersing people in a t- in water. We could get us a truck and mount a big tank of water on the back of it. We could get several strong-armed men. We could go up and down the streets of our city, 
everybody we found walking on the sidewalk, we just snatch them up and dunk them on the water and say they've been baptized and therefore they've been saved. Mm-hmm. No, we we understand that would be a fruitless endeavor mm-hmm. because you got to believe right. before you're baptized. Right. If you don't believe, there's no use to be baptized. Baptizing people wouldn't do any good at all. Uh, I, I've told the story before. My uncle had a farm. When we were kids, we would play in the creek, and we would baptize each other, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes quite forcibly. Oh, boy. Uh, but those baptisms in, in the creek didn't do anything because they weren't. They weren't preceded by faith. There was no repentance or confession. They were. It was the same act, but it wasn't. It wasn't effective to the saving of souls because it wasn't done with necessary things in place. Maybe. Maybe instead of talking about prerequisites, maybe what I should have asked: what must what things must be in place in order for baptism to be effectual? And and, and we believe that it would have to be. Baptism would have to be preceded by faith. Yes. Of course, faith requires teaching. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. In Mark 16, which we were just uh, talking about earlier, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Uh, so you've you got to believe before you're baptized. That must be in place in, before your baptism in order for your baptism to be effectual. Uh you you also have to repent in conjunction with baptism. We just we're talking about Acts two thirty eight. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So repentance has to be in conjunction with baptism. Uh, and confession, confession has to take place in conjunction with baptism. So I have to believe, and I have to be willing to confess that I believe. Uh, uh, Romans 10, uh, verse 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with con- with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, well, he says, here's water, what does hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they both went down into the water and he baptized him. And so his confession preceded his baptism. And so that's what we're talking about. Those uh, things and, are always before baptism. And all, all of the things you mentioned are mentioned before baptism. Yeah. Anthony said, uh, I don't see scriptural evidence for any particular prerequisites other than faith and belief. We talk about five steps in a particular order, but that order is not required as I, as I see scripture. I could be wrong. Well, and, and again, I don't, I know that Anthony doesn't disagree with us about this, but I, probably the question is not asked very effectively. But there would be absolutely no reason to, to baptize someone who didn't believe first. A person who refused to repent, there would be no reason to baptize a person who refused to repent because repentance and baptism are necessary for the remission of sins. There would be no reason to baptize a person who says, I refuse to confess that I believe in Jesus. There would be, because Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 10, I think about verse 38, if we deny him before men, he'll deny us before our Father which is in heaven. But if we confess him before men, he'll confess us before his Father which is in heaven. So uh, if a person refused to confess, there'd be no reason to baptize him. So that's uh, maybe the right way to say it is these things need to be in place and in conjunction with baptism before baptism would be effectual. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, Faith in God the Father, Hebrews eleven six. Faith in Christ the Son, John eight thirty twenty three 23 through 24. 
Faith in the gospel of Christ, Mark 16, 15 and 16. Repentance, a change or turning of the mind from sin, Acts 17, 30. Confession of the deity of Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Faith in the gospel also implies that one needs to know about the non-nominational nature of the church, Acts 8, verse 12, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. All right, so okay. faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to have basic understanding of the things taught in the word of God. Uh, in order to engage in baptism, baptism. I guess what we're saying is baptism has to, it has to be an act of faith, and faith has to be an informed faith. It has to be it, you learn it from exposure to the word. All right, you got about four minutes to talk about infant baptism. By the way, Dwight uh, in Iowa says our baptism puts us in touch with the blood of Christ. Romans six teaches us clearly. I think you're right, Dwight. Thanks, Dwight. Ba- baptism is baptism is not all there is. There these other things are absolutely necessary. But it is when those things when 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 those things are are in place and in conjunction with baptism, baptism is the point at which we reach the blood of Christ. All right, infant baptism. Okay, we finally ask one more question. Okay, again, our premise tonight, Jacob, was we're just going to go back to the Bible. We're going to do it with all preconceived notions. I don't know anything about baptism. What is it? Well, uh, it, it's clearly an immersion. There's just no doubt about that. I'm just reading the Bible. It's an immersion. There's no doubt. And it's for remission of sins. It's in order to be saved. There's no doubt about that. In order to make it effective, I've got to be willing to repent of my sin. I've got to believe in Jesus and repent of my sins and confess my faith in Jesus. Those things are done in conjunction with baptism in order to make it work. I got I got another question though about baptism because I know. Well, again, I'm trying not to base this on preconceived notions, but I know that there's such a thing as infant baptism. And I just wonder if, if I, I don't want to listen to what those, those church sources tell me about. It. I just want to read my Bible. Would I find infant baptism in the Bible? Well, you know, it's interesting if we start with the first point about the, the looking at the word and what it means. Well, that's an immersion and, uh, I've not seen them dunking babies, so that would probably rule out that, at least that, that form of infant baptism. They sprinkle baptism. babies, don't they? Yeah. They sprinkle babies, so they're not using the right mode. Even if babies need baptism, they're not doing it so right. So should we start immersing babies? Well, okay, so what if someone was willing? Say, okay, well, all right, we grant that. We'll start dunking our babies. I mean, you could dunk a baby, I suppose. I guess you could. It yeah. probably wouldn't make it very happy, but... yeah. Uh, Here's what Kent says. The case being that faith, repentance, confession of faith are conditions that must be met prior to baptism. And also the case being that infants cannot have faith, repent of sins, or confess Christ means that they and all other unaccountable individuals are not authorized to receive New Testament baptism. I think that's a, I think that's a really good way to look at it. So even if babies needed to be baptized, in other words, if babies were in sin, this would go to the whole question, and we, we don't have time to address that tonight, but the whole question of inherited sin, we do not believe that the Bible teaches that we inherit the sins of our forefathers. We, we've dealt with that in other episodes of the Virtual Bible Study, and we will again in the future. But even if babies needed to be baptized, they couldn't believe, they couldn't, they couldn't repent. Even if they had sins, they couldn't repent of them. They couldn't confess. They can't talk yet. Uh, they couldn't do the things that must be done in conjunction with baptism. Dwight says they have to be able to believe. How can a baby believe? Exactly right. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and then, and then I'm going to add to that the fact that I'm I'm reading I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to figure it out from my Bible. I don't read about any babies being baptized in in the New Testament. Every time I read about somebody being baptized, it was it was a person who was capable of being taught, who could understand. 
and who could obediently respond to the command. I never read about babies being baptized in the New Testament. Therefore, it must not be a New Testament practice. All right. Well, a good discussion tonight. Perhaps some listeners disagree. I imagine we do have some listeners who disagree with us tonight. What should uh, what, what should we do? Please contact us. We want to talk about our disagreements. We I th- we think that we can come to an agreement of scriptures if we're just honest and we'll go to the word. Uh, if you think we're wrong, tell us so. We'd be, we got like we said earlier. We got an open door policy here. Open door policy for kind, open, honest discussions with you or someone you know who might be willing to. Either come on the air or send us an email and explain to us why you think we're wrong. We'd love to hear from you. We we need to hear from you. We want to hear uh, from you if you disagree. Kyle, final thoughts from you tonight. Well, I think it just we have to, the hard line that we have to take is we cannot preach Jesus without bringing up baptism, and it's essential for salvation. So, I think if you look at the Ethiopian eunuch, it's in the story of Philip. Philip doesn't. Uh, utter the word baptism when, when he talks to the eunuch. But you can tell after the speech when he stops, baptism is mentioned in there somewhere. He yeah. preached unto him Jesus and baptism had to be mentioned for him to be understand that it was essential for salvation. So. I think that's really interesting. You preach Jesus, you preach baptism. That's it. So. Exactly right. Alright, but and again, this is about harmonizing the scriptures. So there are passages that others would use to say, oh, that, that teaches that we don't have to be baptized. No, we can harmonize those with the command that Jesus made to be baptized, to be saved. And so uh, we would like to talk with you if you have any further questions or comments about that. That's right. Dad, any final comments? No, good study. All right, thank you for being here tonight, and thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.